0: You, your identity is a pretty big deal. I'm assuming that every single one of us in here has some form of identification either on your person or within reach. Uh, maybe it's a driver's license or an ID or a social security card. Uh, you're probably not carrying your birth certificate around today or your passport, but maybe you are. I don't know. Uh, maybe you have uh, credit cards or debit cards, uh, and your identity and your account information is literally uh, embedded on that stripe or that uh, that that chip right there. And there's there's something to identify you and your account information. Maybe it's as simple as your library card. Anybody carrying your library card this morning? I don't know when the last time was that I used my library card, but it is still in my wallet. I mean, it's been, wow, it's been years maybe that I've, that I've used my, well, okay, months. But uh, anyway, it's got your identity, at least it has my name, and, and be- that number then uh, tells them where I live so they can hunt me down when I don't turn, it, turn back my books and all this sort of, uh, all of those documents, uh, they, they tell a little bit about who we are, right? They include your name, they include your address, uh, they include official recorded numbers registered with the government that represent who you are. There's information on many of those things regarding how you look, or at least how you think you look, because you told them your weight, and, uh, uh, or at least the weight you wanted to be, and you told them your eye color, the, the eye color that you wanted, and maybe you've changed your hair color three times since you got your license, but it's close anyway, right? So, so issues about your identity, all of that and more is part of who we, it makes up who we are. Of course, your identity is so much more, though, than, than just uh, uh, just your name and the color of your hair and, and a few numbers. Uh, your identity includes how you view yourself, uh, how other people view you. Uh, it's what you like and what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're bad at. It's your personality. It's your idiosyncrasies and quirks. It's, it's how you talk. It's how you walk. It's, it's what you do for work. It's what you do for fun. It's what you believe. All of those things go into to make up who you are, right? Your identity is also tied to your relationships. If somebody asks you, uh, who are you? You might say, I'm the son or daughter of so-and-so, or I'm the husband or wife of so-and-so, or my kids are. You know, as, as our kids uh, grew up through school, we got uh, used to identifying ourselves as I'm Nick's dad or I'm uh, Claire's mom or uh, because our identity in certain situations are wrapped up with the relationships that we have, right? Uh, those relationships are, are part of what makes us who we are. Our identity is also tied into our feelings and, uh, and our thoughts, our, our mental capacity or our lack thereof, I guess. Uh, some say that, that you are what you eat and that's a scary thought, right? I had a donut and two Oreos this morning. What does that make me? We'll go back to the, uh, the, the, the group this morning, and we talked about how we're shaped, and maybe that's going to play into that as well, right? This whole idea of identity is, is pretty complex. Um, and, and you say, well, why in the world are we talking about this? Uh, what's the big deal? Uh, this summer, uh, today, uh, the, the, this is the first day as we're walking through a, a letter in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, and, uh, and it reminds us, it will remind us, of our core identity as followers of Jesus. Uh, it's just this little six-chapter book in the middle of the New Testament, but, but in that, we find help in knowing who we are, uh, not just how we see ourselves, but how God sees us. And that determines how we should live our lives. So, a little bit about the book of ephesians as we as we get started today. Uh, we know that the the book of Ephesians is actually a, a letter um, as as a lot of the New Testament is, um, and it was dictated by Paul so Paul couldn't write uh, uh, except just uh, well we get the idea that that he he uh had some pretty crazy handwriting and so uh through a couple of a couple of uh hints through the New Testament so anyway he dictated these letters and somebody was writing them down and and so he's he's um This was one of the letters written from prison, probably in Rome, written to people in the church in a city called Ephesus. And so it's called the Ephesians. People that lived in Ephesus were called Ephesians, just like people that lived in Medina are called bees. So that... You see the logic there, right? No, I just... So, Ephesians was a real city. Uh, you can go today, you could book a flight and go to what is now Turkey, and uh, you can see the ruins of the city of Ephesus. Um, It was a vibrant city back in in that day. Uh, uh, The Apostle Paul planted a church there, and so he stopped in uh, on his second missionary journey. You can read about it in Acts 18, 19, and 20. There's there's actually quite a bit of uh, uh, content there in the book of Acts. So uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament tells about the birth of the early church in a lot of these places where Paul went. He went on three different missionary journeys. On his second journey, he popped in at Ephesus, uh, spoke a little bit in the, uh, the Jewish church there for a little bit, didn't spend a whole lot of time and moved on. But then on his uh, third missionary journey, he came back through and, and, and it appears he stayed there for, for over two years uh, uh, ministering to the people and, and building up the church in Ephesus. Uh, there, there's quite a story there in Acts 19 about a big riot. And uh, maybe you've read this. Uh, Ephesus was, uh, was known for um, the, the temple of the goddess Artemis and uh, supposedly fell from heaven, and so they made all these idols, and, and uh, if anybody wanted to uh, worship the goddess Artemis, they went to Ephesus and got this, this idol. Well, a lot of these folks that made the idols uh, got angry that Paul was preaching a different god to worship, that you didn't need an idol, and they were going to be losing money, and so they created this big riot, and it was, it's, it was this whole thing. Well, after all that simmered down, uh, Paul uh, narrowly escaped, um, and then we, we see later on in, you know, I believe I it's acts 20 where uh, where paul is uh heading back to jerusalem one last time where he knew he would be arrested and sure enough he was and so he stopped in kind of outside the city of ephesus and the church leaders came and met with him and it was an emotional time and anyway you can read about all of that in uh in in acts chapters 18 19 and 20 Several years after that then, uh, after Paul had been unfairly accused and and he sat under Roman guard in in Rome, uh, he wrote letters to encourage the churches that he had planted. Uh, And Ephesians is one of those letters that he wrote. It was delivered by one of his companions, uh, Tychicus. And uh, not only is that a great name to say uh, and fun to roll off your, off your lips, but he was. Uh, we see that at the end of Ephesians, we see that he was the one bringing the letter, and uh, he was actually delivering several letters across the way because Paul couldn't get out of jail to do it, and so his buddy was going to take this. There don't seem to be any problems, uh, any big problems that Paul is addressing as he writes the book of Ephesians. Uh, uh, he's not rebuking certain people for doing certain... We see that in some of Paul's letters. He's heard about certain problems and things, and so he he addresses those in the letters that, that he writes. But he, Ephesians uh, just seems to simply be a letter of encouragement, uh, encouraging uh, these people to continue on in the faith. The first three chapters, if we're painting with broad strokes, the first three chapters are a, a lot about theology, what to... Uh, what to believe, uh, what, what we believe and why we believe it, and, and some of the core issues of, uh, of the faith. Uh, and then the last three chapters uh, tend to kind of spell that out, and it's more practical. Uh, okay, well, we believe this. This is how we live because of what we believe. Uh, it, many have, some, many uh, theologians and pastors and authors have, have summarized Ephesians as a, as a letter about identity. Uh, who we are, discovering who we are in Christ. And you'll see that as we read chapter one, uh, part of chapter one this morning, you'll see that phrase, in Christ, or in him, over and over again. Um, and, and so we discover who we are, and because of who we are, we need to live out of that. Uh, we, live, we live like uh, who God wants us to be. So uh, uh, the first passage we're going to look at is, uh, is, is gets, gets straight to the basics of, uh, of our identity in Christ it's been said that if John 3.16 is the gospel in a nutshell, then Ephesians 1 is the tree from which that nut fell. Got it? So, so uh, John 3.16 is one verse that, that summarizes the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, but uh, Ephesians 1 kind of expands all that. One thing to, uh, to think too, the, the passage that we're gonna read today, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, is actually in the Greek... I could stop, I could just keep on going and you'd think that I knew Greek, but I read this because uh, uh, somebody that knows Greek can, uh, told me this in, uh, in the commentaries that I read. It's one sentence. Paul literally, the whole first chapter of Ephesians is three sentences total. The, the first part where he introduces himself and then this part, which is this big, long, run-on sentence. Uh, you know, in English, we've broken it up a little bit so we can uh, we can read it a little bit better. And then that last part is uh, one other sentence. So it's three sentences total in the whole first chapter. Don't really need to know that, except it's good to know. So anyway, uh, we're gonna start at verse three and go through verse 14 as we think about our identity, who God thinks we are, who God has created us to be. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. who are, who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. There's a whole lot there. We're gonna pull some, uh, some of those things out as we ask the question, who are you? Or you could say it, you could personalize it for yourself. Who am I? And the number one thing that we see from the top is that you are blessed. Hashtag blessed, right? Uh, you are blessed. Uh, maybe you don't feel Blessed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe things don't seem to be going your way. Maybe you feel more cursed than blessed. I, I don't know. Maybe you've been praying that things would change and they haven't changed. But, but, uh, as, as I read Ephesians here, let me tell you today that no matter how things may appear to you, if you are trusting in and following God, you have, and this is a quote from Ephesians, what we just read, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That's kind of a lot of blessing and and we tend to say, well, if things aren't working out for me right here and right now, then I must not be blessed. The fact is that we have, if, if we are following Christ, if we are in him, then we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We are blessed. That's eternity. Uh, that's That's things that, and I think a lot of times the thing that gets in our way is that we see things that are so short term. And so we look at life now and we say, man, things don't feel like much of a blessing, but those things are temporary and they're passing away. And, and what we have and where we, what we need to live from, live out of, is that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. That, that changes how we live. If we're living blessed or we're living uh, like we're cursed, uh, the fact is that we need to remember who we are. And one big thing right off the top is that we are blessed. Keep that in your hip pocket as we continue through, because all these things work together to make this awesome picture of who we are. You are blessed. You are also chosen. You are chosen. A big part of our blessing is that God chose you. I still remember uh, picking teams for kickball on recess at sixth grade after lunch. Anybody ever play kickball on recess? Anybody ever have to go through the schoolyard, pick, yeah, oh, right? Uh, th- the two coolest kids, somehow, uh, everybody just knew they were gonna be the team captains, right? And then they would go out a little ways and everyone else would, at least what we did, we kind of lined up along the third base line. There was a, uh, out in the playground, there was a, actually a diamond painted out on the playground. So we, we knew where we were gonna play kickball. And um, so we'd line up. And then it was time to see how you measured up in the school pecking order, right? This was, this, there was a lot to this. If you were chosen in the top, two or three or four then things were good right you if that was you you might even go over and and then you and uh and the team captain would maybe confirm Man, eh, we want that guy we don't want her we don't you know and, and you'd actually almost be like the one of the cool guys and and, and be able to uh, being chosen in the middle was okay but it kind of left you with this little uneasy feeling like am I really measuring up or not I don't I don't know where I stand here at least when it comes to kickball I guess right the real problem with the schoolyard pick system is that someone will be chosen last, right? It's inevitable. It's just part of the system. It's, it's just what will happen. Uh, it, it was usually the scrawny kid with the glasses who decided that day not to stay in and do extra credit, but to come out and get a little exercise, right? And everybody said, oh, so and is here. Some of you can relate to that too. No, you don't have to raise your hand um, because we're all, we, we don't want, anyway. Those schoolyard picks, for some of us, those schoolyard picks were part of our uh, forming our identity, right? And uh, could could be positive or negative, and uh, and and we could we, we could think think through some of those things. But here's the good news today: you have been chosen by God, and in His system, there is no first or last or in between. <laughs> There's no pecking order. He's picked us all first. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but it's true. It, 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 gets, it gets us toward this controversial subject that's uh, been debated by theologians for years, and it's, it's this concept, this big, long uh, theological term called predestination. Isn't that a great Sunday morning word? predestination and it's mentioned several times here in Ephesians chapter 1 and it begs the question okay uh, so uh, Paul says you've been chosen and uh, you've been predestined uh, from the beginning so it begs the question if there are people that God has chosen are there other people that he has not chosen And uh, this says that God chose us before the creation of the world, verse 4 and verse 11. Uh, It says that he predestined us for adoption in verse 5, that that we are predestined according to his plan in verse 11. Uh, A lot of people automatically assume then that that means that God has determined things to happen in advance uh, and we don't have any choice in the matter and God has chosen some and he has not chosen others and and he's called certain people and he's destined them for heaven and then literally he said to hell with everyone else and I'm not cursing there I'm telling you exactly what folks think well it's some people are in the heaven column and some people are in the hell column I don't think I know that that's not the picture of God that I read throughout scripture what I see uh, is, is a God of love and compassion and mercy and extending grace. And in, in light of all that we know about God from the breadth of Scripture, predestination uh, can't just mean the personal selection, pre-selection of a chosen few people. So 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 to me and again without getting it we could spend uh days weeks months hours years uh and many have on all the intricacies of these theological arguments but it's the plan that's predetermined or predestined all of us have been invited to follow that plan god has predestined all of us His, he has a perfect plan for every one of us. It's spelled out in scripture over and over and over again. We can't get away from it. Joel uh, chapter two, verse 32 in the Old Testament, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In 1 Timothy 2, three and four, it says, this is good and pleases God our savior who wants all people to, to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 1 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. 2 Peter 3 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise that some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to Repentance. God has predestined all of us. He has chosen us first. If God had his way, every single person ever born would be adopted into his family as his children. Uh, that can be our destination. It's laid out in advance. So it's our predestination, right? We, we don't, but the problem then is, is that we don't all choose him back. It'd be like on the schoolyard if, if uh, uh, so-and-so said, I pick Pete, and I say, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to play today. I don't want to be on that team, so I'm not going to play today. It, it, this isn't some divine determinism uh, that will happen regardless of what we do. I, I don't know. Maybe this is a, a, a good uh, uh, illustration. Maybe not. But it might be a little bit like a father who, who, who has a plan for his son to take over the family business. And it would be great, and it would work really well. It's the father's plan, uh, but the son is still free to choose uh, whether he's going to follow that plan or not. And the father, And If the father forces this, his son to follow that plan, then everything goes south. Predestination is not forced. Uh, for following God to ever mean anything, there must always be the option of not following God, right? That, that we choose to follow him. It's not that we're forced to follow him same is true with love. If for love to mean anything, there, there must always be the possibility of rejecting God or, or not loving him. Uh, predestination in our theological vein, predestination simply means that God has an amazing plan for you and he has, a provide, he has provided a way for you to live it and he's laid that out from the beginning of time. We have to choose to step into that plan. God wants our identity to be rooted in the fact that we can and are adopted into his family. And that's, that's uh, written all through this, uh, this passage as well, uh, that, that we are chosen, part of being chosen is that we are adopted. Verse 11 uh, in, in the NIV says it this way, uh, we read it a minute ago, in him we are chosen, we were chosen can be translated in, in other ways and talks about uh, inheritance or being an heir. It, 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 we, we were made heirs. Or in the, in the American Standard Version, it says, uh, we have obtained an inheritance. One of the many benefits of being chosen, being adopted into the family of God is the, uh, the hope of abundant blessings to come. Inheritance, just like a natural born child. I want us to realize and to live out of the fact that God has invited us, he has chosen us, he has chosen you. It, it's not that that uh, you're not good enough or that you've got to jump through certain hurdles in order to qualify for uh, for life with God. God has chosen you. And if you're living out of that, it's gonna change how you live. It's gonna change who you are. Who are you? You are chosen. You are a child of the king with an inheritance and in everything. Huh? That the, the you have the, the hope of an inheritance for eternity. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. You are chosen. You're, 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 you can be a child of the king. Another thing this says is that you are redeemed. Part of your identity is that you are redeemed. I read the story this week about a farmer who, who had an old milk cow, and, and she was long past her prime, but the farmer had kind of uh, grown attached to her, but uh, realized that if he was, if he was ever going to get any money out of her, he needed to go ahead and sell her to the slaughterhouse for what little bit he could. And, and so he, he decided, and the day came, and he took her down there and, and uh, turned her over and, and got, got money uh, for her. And on the way home, he, he was kind of second thinking, uh, he had second thoughts and and decided he turned around and and went back and and uh, he, he decided he, he didn't need that money as much as he needed that cow, and so he uh, he bought he literally bought that cow back. She lived out the rest of her days on the farm uh, instead of suffering her fate at the slaughterhouse. The world the word translated redemption here in Ephesians one uh, simply means that word it simply means to buy back. Maybe, maybe uh, as we read that, you, you notice that in Christ, uh, in him, in Christ, in him, hearkening back to what Jesus has done for us, hearkening back to what we celebrated through communion this morning, uh, that, that Jesus uh, died and was raised so that we can experience this life, that, that Jesus has bought us back from spiritual death. It's part of your identity as a child of God is that you have been redeemed You didn't deserve to be redeemed. You're sinful, and yet yet Jesus says, I'll pay the price. I'll buy them back. You need to know as you form your identity that you are redeemed. Your forgiveness has been provided with the death and resurrection of Christ. You are worth dying for. That might not be something you've thought about before. You are worth dying for. So, some of you uh, maybe have had the thoughts that it's not even worth living. Jesus says you're worth dying for, that I'm gonna die for you because I see that worth in you. I'm gonna buy you back with my very life. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. You're adopted into the family of God because he chose you. you. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Remember who you are, Our identity, you are redeemed. That makes a difference how we live. If we're living out of this, if we really see who we are, one more thing that says is that you are holy. It's not the last thing. Don't, don't, I know without the blanks, you don't know when I'm finishing, right? So you're just, you're worried. Well, don't worry, we're still going. We're going strong. You are holy. Uh, the, the outcome of our adoption, the outcome of our redemption is holiness, uh, this says that we're holy and blameless. There's a couple of ways that the Bible talks about holiness. First, holiness refers to a condition of our lives, a condition of our hearts that we're holy. It's it's the moral result of God's grace in our lives. He makes us holy. He cleanses us from sin. We we get rid of sin and we live for Him and and we choose to follow Him and and so it's that moral thing that that our condition of our lives is that we're holy. You look at someone and they're they're living good life a good life and they're doing the the saints that you would say that that person is holy because it's the condition of that God has cleansed them and and filled them with his spirit and they're holy another way that, that the bible talks about holiness is not just our condition but our position position our position in relationship to god uh, things in the Bible that were considered holy uh, were set apart. And that's another way to, to translate this, this term, holiness, something that is set apart. Uh, the, uh, items in the temporal, temple, for instance, a candlestick and the, the, uh, the, the, the platter for the bread. And so the, those things weren't just used in everyday use. They were set apart for a specific purpose in that holy place. The thing that made them holy was their position. They were set apart, not just for common use, but, but, but for God's use. Set apart their position. Paul says here that uh, part of the abundant spiritual blessings that we have is that we are holy and blameless. We are cleansed from sin and we are set apart for special use by God himself. He wants to do his will through you. You are holy and blameless. Who are you? You are holy. Changes how you live if you start seeing yourself as, as holy. Sure, there's progress to be made. Sure, there, there, are, there are steps to be made. Sure, there's, there's uh, sometimes three steps forward, two steps back. But God is creating his holiness in you as his spirit lives and moves in you. And we can come to that place of full surrender to him. And we allow him to sanctify us completely. And to allow his Holy Spirit to live unhindered in our lives. We are cleansed from sin and we are set apart to live for him. You are holy. Number five, you are sealed. Uh, This is probably another controversy. We'll just dive into all of them today. Well, a couple of them anyway. Uh, Verse 13 says that that, that through all of this, when when we're adopted into God's family, when we're redeemed, when we're made holy, that we are marked with a seal, it says. And some might read this as sign, sealed, and delivered. I I don't. I don't necessarily believe that it 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 means that. Uh, It's not referring to a uh, a a circus animal with a ball on his nose either. We're not talking about that. I, I, you know, those uh, boxes of animal crackers, right? With the and they got the circus animal. Looks like a a train car. I uh, I really wanted some of those the other day, and so I got one, and uh, but I I had to throw it away. Seal was broken. It's not what we're talking about. That the seal seal was obviously, Uh, but the uh, we're not talking about the seal of a package where everything's sealed up, signed, sealed, everything's good to go, everything's all packaged up tight and nice and neat, and everything's good. Uh, It's 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 all we're, we're we're you know signed, sealed, and delivered for heaven. And so it doesn't matter what we do or or how we live from this point forward because because God has has sealed us for eternity. No, it's talking about that we're marked, and what are we marked by? It says, well, we're marked by the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit uh, simply says, it says here that the Holy Spirit is evidence. That that God is at work in our lives, and, and we can know that, and other people around us can know that. And there's evidence that God is working in our lives. Uh, this this seal or this mark that God has put on us that says that one's mine uh, because they have a, received or or accepted the uh, the offer of of redemption, the offer of adoption. Uh, they, they they're they're becoming holy, and my Holy Spirit is living and moving within them. And so we can have that. And Scripture talks about how that looks. And there's there's three different ways. Uh, I think specifically. That, that that looks in our lives. First is assurance. We personally have the assurance that, that we are God's children, that we are all these things, that our identity is in Christ. We have the assurance of our adoption, of our redemption, of our holiness. Romans eight sixteen says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we have that assurance because we have the Holy Spirit. That's part of that, that mark or that seal in our lives that we are God's. Another thing that we have are the gifts of the spirit and so people recognize other are we ourselves and others we recognize that 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 we have been gifted when we come to know Christ uh, scripture says that, that that there's at least one uh, probably several uh, gifts of the spirit that we receive and there's lists of those and we've just gone over, just finished the the series today uh on the in the life track about how how god has put us together and and a big part of that is our our giftedness the spiritual gifts and and that forms our identity right if if we're if we, we sense god's supernatural draw toward this then then uh, then it forms who we are and what we do the gifts of the Spirit. And then also scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And these are character qualities. These are uh, uh, that, that, that we, we grow and we develop uh, as, as the Holy Spirit moves and works. Uh, Galatians five twenty two and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? You you've Okay, well, we don't have to sing, but uh, uh, it's 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 those nine things, these things that are being formed in our lives, and as they're being formed, we have evidence that we've got that seal, we've got that mark that that, that God has has given us His Spirit, and it's part of our identity. Who are you? You're sealed with the very Spirit of God. <laughs> we could we could literally spend all month just on these few verses, and maybe more. But today, I just want you to realize that just realize who you are. We, we can get worn down by the people and the situations in our lives and we begin to believe lies about who we are, right? When the devil or the world whispers that you're less than, that you're not enough, that you're weak, that you're insignificant, don't entertain those thoughts. You are blessed, you are chosen, you are redeemed and holy and sealed with the spirit of God himself. <laughs> it's, that's the fact, Nick and I were having a discussion a, a week or so ago about the difference between feelings and opinions and facts. And uh, he expressed that he had a different opinion than me on something. And, uh, and, and it wasn't really an issue of, of opinion. It was an issue of, well, this is, this is how things are and this is how things aren't. And his opinion was over here. And I said, well, it doesn't really matter what your opinion is. This is how it is, right? Uh, and... Uh, you know, I, so I use the example of, of the sky. I said, you could, have, you could feel that the sky is purple today, but look up, it's blue and white. And no matter how you feel about it, it's not gonna change the fact that the sky is blue and white, it ain't purple, right? Feelings aren't facts. There may be days when you feel cursed. Come back to the fact that you are blessed by God. There might be times when you feel isolated and alone. Come back to the fact that you have been adopted into the family of God. You you might get mired down in feelings of regret for wrong choices in the past. Come back to the fact that you have been redeemed and forgiven, that Jesus has made and is making you holy. The fact is that if you have chosen to accept all these things from your heavenly Father, You have his very spirit living in you. Remember who you are. Precious Father God, we thank you that you love us, and that changes everything. Lord, I pray that uh, even in in these moments and uh, in the moments of this day and this week that you'll bring us back to the facts of who you say we are that we won't believe the, the lies of the devil or the lies of this world or even the lies in our own head that might say that we are less than, but you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, that you, you have chosen us, that you've redeemed us, that you're making us holy, that you, you're giving us your spirit. Lord, I pray that we can live out of all those things, the facts of who you say we are. Lord, I pray that it would make all the difference in our lives. Lord, I thank you that you love us, that you care about us, and that you have done all of those things and more. I pray that as we go from here, we go rejoicing in who you are and what you are doing in our lives and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.